You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. So now there was a crisis for the army of the Mushrikeen. One month, they're stranded on the other side. They were not prepared for that. And that year, it was a cold winter. Relatively, for the climate of that region, it was cold. So you're, you're in the winter time, and Medina was faced with a mini famine, mini drought, you know, just a year before. So the food and the provisions available to the army of the Mushrikeen was running out. You're running out of food and it's cold. That weakens the army, right? What do you do? It's a whole month that we're waiting and nothing, there's no breakthrough. So now you have the situation where you have a massive army, but soon they're going to starve and they're shivering from this ongoing cold. Those who orchestrated the whole war, and who were they? Who orchestrated this whole battle of Ahzab? Who sparked it and mobilized the Arabs to conspire? No, the Quraysh were mobilized by these people, the Jews. Remember we talked about it in our previous class? Some of these Jews, like Huyay ibn Akhtab and others, they wanted to completely destroy the Prophet, so they went to Mecca, they met Abu Sufyan, they even prostrated to the idols, right? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the Jews had orchestrated this. Now those who orchestrated this war, they realized their strategy is failing. We have a huge army, we managed to bring 10,000 people to fight Muhammad. But what's the point? They're on the other side of the ditch, the provisions are running out and it's cold. So what do we do? They thought of seeking the help of Banu Quraiza. Who's Banu Quraiza? Remember Medina historically had three main Jewish tribes in the city or around the city. Banu Nadir and Banu Qaynaqa. Previously in our biography class, we talked about what happened to Banu Nadir and Banu Qaynaqa. They broke the peace treaty with the Prophet. They harassed Muslims who the Prophet exiled them. Banu Nadir even tried to kill the Prophet, if you remember. Once he was passing by their garden, you went to see them. They tried to assassinate the Prophet. So at that point, the Prophet told them, look, by the terms of our agreement, I have the right to assassinate all of you. Because they agreed to that. That if we break the treaty and we inflict harm on you or the Muslims, we deserve to be executed. And our women and children are enslaved by you Muslims. They agreed to that. But the Prophet didn't administer that punishment. The Prophet told them, just leave. So he exiled them. So the Jews of Banu Nadir, they were so upset for this defeat, they went and they conspired with these Arabs to come and seek revenge from the Prophet. So Banu Nadir, Banu Qaynaqa, they were expelled from Medina. Which Jewish tribe remained peacefully so far? Banu Quraidah. Banu Quraidah was the third tribe in Medina that had remained peaceful with Muslims. In other words, they had abided by the terms of the agreement. They did not break the peace treaty with the Prophet. These Jews, when they saw this massive army is about to perish, they're like, you know what? We can't pull this off. We have one way out. Let's reach out to the Jews inside Medina 
and ask them to break the treaty with the Prophet, collaborate with us from the inside, attack Muslims, now we have a breakthrough. That's the only way. If the Banu Qurayza betray Muhammad, we can win. If they don't, we have no way of winning. So Huyay ibn Akhtab, this Jewish leader, evil leader, who had orchestrated all of this, he goes to the fortress of Banu Qurayza. Banu Qurayza had numerous forts in Medina, inside the city of Medina. They lived about two miles away from the center of Medina, which was the masjid of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So they're, they're inside the city. And they lived by an area called Bi'ru Bani al-Muttalib, the wells or the well of Bani al-Muttalib. They had 700 strong fighters, according to a lot of estimates. So Huyay ibn Akhtab, this Jewish leader from the, he's from, he's from Bani Nadir, which previously was expelled by the Prophet. He went to visit them. He thought that if I instigate Banu Quraidah and I convince them to break the treaty with Muhammad, then we can collaborate together, we can finish this prophet and finish off this religion. So he went to the gate of the fort of Banu Quraidah. They had a big fort with all their children, women, men and fighters in that, inside that fort in Medina. So he went, he went to the gates. And he called on its leader. The leader of Bani Quraidah was a, nan, a man by the name of Ka'b. So Huyay ibn Akhtab, he calls on them, open the gates. Let me enter, I want to negotiate with you guys. Now remember, this guy, Huyay, he's Jewish. And the fort that he's visiting is also Jewish, but they're from different tribes. Huyay is from who? From Banu Nadir. These guys, Banu Quraidah. Banu Quraidah had not broken the peace treaty with the Prophet yet. In fact, in the beginning of the Battle of Ahzab, when they were dig digging the trenches, they even, uh, there are, you know, some reports of, of the Jews even helping the Prophet by sending them tools. Because they had a pact that if there's an attack on Medina, we'll, we'll do, we're not going to fight for you, but we'll help you in any way. He insisted on entering, they did not let him enter. Because Ka'b, the leader of Bani Quraylan, knew this guy's up to no good. He's going to get us all in trouble. I'm not going to open the door. Get out of here. We have a pact with Muhammad, let us live peacefully with Muhammad. But this guy's shaitan. Huyay ibn Akhtab is a Satan. So you know what he said? He said, oh Ka'b, I know why you're not opening the gates for me. You're afraid uh, for your water and um, bread. Meaning, you don't want me to enter the fort so you don't give me food. You're cheap because I'm a guest. So if I come in, you have to offer me food and that's why you're not opening the gates for me. Look at the evil tactic that he uses. Now when you put somebody on the spot like that and he's a tribal leader, you have to say, no, 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 I'm generous, come in. So he's basically telling him, you're afraid of feeding me, that's why, open the door. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, I'd like to note something very critical here. Never let someone stir your emotions for falsehood. Because many times that happens. You feel justified in your reaction. Because a person entered 
from a corner that you did not expect or that's putting you on the spot and you feel like it's a shame if I don't. But if the objective is falsehood, say no. Accept the shame, it's okay. Because Islam teaches us some humiliation now for the truth is better than full humiliation if you side with falsehood. Imam Hussein told his army, uh, the, the army of Yazid, this particular statement on the day of Ashura. They basically argued, look, we came as warriors. If we retreat right now, if we abandon fighting you or we switch sides, people will say we're cowards or it's a shame on us to switch sides and defect last minute. It's a shame. Right? The Imam السلام, told them, first of all, it's not a shame to be with the truth. But even if you think it's a shame, the Imam states, Which one's better? For your society to shame you or to go to hell? And then you'll be shamed for eternity. Assalamu alaikum. Which one's better? See, the problem with this man, Ka'b, the leader of Bani Quraiza, even though initially he showed decency by sticking to the pact with the Prophet and by rejecting Huyay ibn Akhtar until don't interfere. That's, that's good, that's a decent thing to do. But he stirred his emotions. He should have known better. Don't let this fool play with your emotions. Fine, let him say you're cheap. So what, you're doing the right thing. Let him say that. And this teaches us always for the truth, be willing to hear any accusation. Never side with falsehood because you want to avoid an accusation. Because that's exactly what your test is. This was his test. Initially he refused. But that guy, he, he, he played with his sensitive emotions. Yeah, but see, see what happens now. So this warmonger, Huyay ibn Akhtab, he was allowed to enter the fort. Now he knows how to speak, he's a manipulator. So he came and he told the Jews of Banu Quraiza, he says, I have brought a world of honor and greatness towards you. The chiefs of Quraysh, the nobles of Arabia, and the princes of Ghatafan, a huge Arab army, they are fully equipped and they have encamped at the banks of the ditch to destroy Muhammad for once and for all. And they've given me a promise that until they have killed Muhammad and his companions, they will not go back to their families and homes. I bring you the honor of this world. Stand against Muhammad, let's finish him off. Ka'b still re resisted. Ka'b told him, I swear by the Almighty that you have brought us humiliation and disgrace. And then he says, Kaab, in my eyes, these Arabs that you're describing, they're like a rainless cloud which thunders but does not rain. <laughs> Beautiful description. They're all about thunder and talk, but there's no goodness in them. Then he tells them, O son of Akhtab, O Huyay ibn Akhtab, O warmonger, keep your hands off of us. The fine qualities of Muhammad prohibit us from ignoring the pact which we have concluded with him. We have seen nothing from this prophet, from this man, well they didn't accept that he was a prophet, but from this man, except truthfulness, sincerity, righteousness, why should we betray him? Al-Waqidi, the historian, 
he states that this guy Kaab, the Jewish leader of Banu Quraidha, he said the following, Wallah ma akhfara lana dhimma. We swear by Allah, Muhammad never wronged us and he is the best neighbor for us. Bayhaqi, another historian, he states that uh, this man, Kaab said the following words in Arabic, لم أرى رجلا أصدق ولا أوفى من محمد وأصحابه. We've never seen a man who's more truthful and loyal than Muhammad. Wallah ma akrahana ala deen. We swear by God. The last like five, six years, He has not forced us to convert to Islam. Wala ghasabana malan. He did not confiscate any of our property. Why should we break the deal with Him? But Huyay ibn Akhtab is a Satan. He kept instigating them, instigating. This is an opportunity. Look, you Jews don't follow this man. You, you believe he's a crook anyway. If you didn't believe he was a crook, you would have accepted his message, right? We have an opportunity to get him out of the way and then you guys will be the chiefs. You're going to rule Medina. The spotlight is now just on Muhammad. Don't you want to regain the spotlight back? Look at the satanic words <laughs> that influence a lot of people. And then he promised the people of Banu Quraidha that if the Arabs were not victorious and Muhammad achieved victory, he himself, Huyay ibn Akhtab, he'll come to their fortress of Banu Quraidha and he'll have their same fate. Okay, if we lose, I'm not going to abandon you guys. I'll come with you in this fort. Whatever happens, happens to us. We're all in it. At this point, Kaab is confused. He doesn't know what to do. So he calls the other chiefs of the Jewish people of Banu Quraidha and they come in his presence and they form a council and he tells them give me your opinion what do you what do you think we should do they tell him look you are our leader you may decide whatever you want and we'll obey you then a man an elderly Jewish man by the name of Zubair ibn Bata Zubair ibn Bata was an old man he was one of the Jewish elders of Banu Quraidha he was an important Jewish uh, chief as well. He said the following, subhanAllah. He said, I have read the Torah, our book. And in it, it states that in later times, a prophet will rise from Mecca. He will migrate to Medina. His religion will spread throughout the world and no army will achieve victory over him. This, this Jewish elder is saying, if Muhammad is this same prophet, I mean, it's possible that it's him. This army will not achieve victory. Make no mistake about that. So he's an authority on the Torah and he's saying that. Huyay is agitated. Ah, you know, so you, 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 you almost reach the finish line with these guys. Then somebody says something, he, he, he sparks confusion again. But Huyay was satanically smart. You know what he says? Huyay uses the racism card with them. He tells them, look guys, that prophet that you just quoted from the Torah, the Old Testament, will be from Bani Israel. He must come from the line of Israel, from the Jewish tribes. Whereas Muhammad is a descendant of Ismail, not Israel. 
We, the Jews, we come from Yaqub and Ishaq. Muhammad comes from Ismail. The Torah is definitely talking about this prophet. This prophet that the Torah is talking about must definitely come from Bani Israel, not these Arabs. Why? What was his argument? His argument was that Banu Israel أَبَدًا لَا يَكُونُونَ أَتْبَاعًا لُولْدِ إِسْمَعِيلٍ لَأَنَّ اللَّهَ قَدْ فَضَّلَهُمْ عَلَى النَّاسِ جَمِيعًا Didn't God choose us as the best nation, as the favored nation? We the Jews? So how could we the Jews whom God has favored us ever submit to these Arabs, to the children of Ismail? That's impossible. Because Allah has preferred us and we're the chosen nation, we can never follow another person. So that Prophet must come from us. And this Muhammad, all he's done is magic. If you've heard some miracles that he's done, it's just magic. Well, he won them over. Using this powerful strategy, which is racism, Muhammad's from a different race. Why should our race submit to another race when God has favored us? When you invoke racist remarks with a lot of people, it actually works. Just look what has happened the last four years. When you invoke racist rhetoric, honestly, it works with a lot of people. Because people like to be racist. They'd like to be selfish. Only my race is good. It's superior to other races. So if you have a leader advocating for privileges to your race, naturally you want it. It's only those very few who really principled and decent, they say no. But a lot of people are like, yeah, if I'm benefiting, it's, if my race is better, if it makes me feel superior and good, why not? It's their ego. It's their ego. This guy, Huyay ibn Akhtab, played with the ego of Bani Quraidah. That's how he won them over. So remember, initially they did not want to enter this fight. They did not want to break the treaty. They admitted that Muhammad is a just person. We've never seen anything bad from him. But when you play with a person's ego, sometimes he may lose his test. And that's exactly what happened. He talked so much and so much until they said, okay, we'll side with you. Let's break this pact. Huyay wanted to make a dramatic scene so he can mobilize them. He told them, go bring me the treaty. When they brought him the treaty, he tore it into pieces before their eyes. They're like, now you have no treaty with Muhammad. Get ready for war. What do you do with people like that? The Prophet lived with them for at least five years now since he migrated to Medina. He did a pact with them. They admit he's been the most truthful person. He's honored them. He's respected them. And now they have a window. They see 10,000 fighters from the outside. If we from the inside make an attack, they're gone. Isn't this the highest form of treason you can commit? Even by international law in this modern era, people like that, what do they deserve? According to a lot of constitutions on earth. No, I'm, yeah, death. Even the U.S. Constitution, the American Constitution, prescribes the death penalty as a reasonable punishment for what? For treason. In 1964, the Rosenbergs were executed for treason. Yeah, the U.S. has killed people for treason because they conspired with the Soviets by sending them 
information by spying for them. Well, these people were about to destroy the entire city of Medina and kill the Prophet and the Muslims when they had an agreement with the Prophet not to do that. So I want you to see the size of this crime because later we'll see something that, has, that will happen with Banu Quraiba that a lot of Orientalists, a lot of Western scholars, oh look at the Prophet, he killed a lot of these people from Banu Quraiba, poor guys, this Muhammad is so violent. You need to understand what, what's leading up to this. And you need to understand the size of this treason that they committed. 